Wertes in der Kleinstadt Winden ein Junge auf mysteriöse Weise verschwunden. Die Frage ist nicht, wer die Kinder entführt hat, sondern wann. Das Ende ist der Anfang. Und der Anfang ist das Ende. Tick, tick. Du wirst alles verstehen, wenn es an der Zeit ist zu verstehen. Tick, tick. Aber jede Entscheidung für etwas ist doch immer eine Entscheidung gegen etwas. Hello and welcome to Dark. I'm Mergles. And I'm BB. And I'm Acorn. Shall we begin? Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I'm very excited for this episode. Me too. Mama Inez. Yeah, mostly because in my research, I found a lot of people hate Inez. Yes, which I didn't me know. too. That shocked mm -hmm. me. It shocked me too. But we're going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about yeah. it. <laughs> we're going to dive right into that. I promise. Before we dive in. I just want to point out that this is a companion podcast and not a watch along. Retrospective. A retrospective, if you will. So you definitely want to have watched the series and be hungry for more discussion, more theories. We've also chosen to run the podcast as more of a talk between friends. So we each go away with a topic for the week. We've written our own notes and we come together and we share those notes. Nobody has any sneak peeks at each other's notes or anything like that, which means that we won't always get everything completely right. But it should also lend for more surprises, and ultimately, we want you to feel like you're in our living room right along with us. Today, we're going to be talking about Inez. Yes, Inez yes. Conwald. Uh, to start, do we have any housekeeping? I did the last episode, and no, I don't. I don't have any housekeeping. I hope that for those who listened to our grief episode, that it wasn't too heavy, and it was still an enjoyable episode, and you got something from it. I think it was just a really important discussion. I'm glad that we had it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. I, you know, I was, I, to be honest, I was sort of expecting more panic after. So for those who don't know what the podcasting process is like, we will sit down, we have conversations, and sometimes we go to places where we will say to each other, you know, uh, can we cut that part out? Because, you know, I don't really feel comfortable sharing exactly what I shared or whatever. It just before you freak out, it doesn't happen very often with us. Um, it happened more so, I think, in the beginning. But the stuff we were cutting was just us not knowing where to put things or the flow of conversation. Now that we're on our 15th episode, it rarely happens. It's only like if we during conversation share like, you know, details of where we might live or, you know, something like that, that we're going to cut that out. But uh, after last week's episode, I was expecting to want to cut m more than we did. I my initial reaction was immediately cut the whole episode. Like we're going to have to redo another one because that was so intense. And then I forced myself to walk away and wait four days before I was like going to decide or not how I felt about it. Well, that's the time in which we edit the podcast. So Acorn was like, so then I went, okay, that's it. You're just going to put it out there and then you're going to see how you feel about it. And maybe the anxiety will go away. And it did. It went away in like day two or three. And I was like, you know what? I think it's just important to to get it out there because hopefully it'll help somebody and you know yeah. ultimately yeah it's us being vulnerable but you know if you never expose your belly right what was that episode that we talked yep. about that if you never expose your squishy underbelly then you're never gonna get your i'll always be ulrich so i was like nope gotta gotta try that so i'm really glad that we did that yeah yeah also i like needed it that week some crazy shit ended up happening that it was like important that that conversation was fresh in my mind it's weird how that happens with this podcast Mm -hmm. Um, I can't hear you, Murgles. Yeah, you're muted. I said, first, if you never show your squishy underbelly, no one can give you pats. 
And then the yeah. second thing I said, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the second thing I said was, <laughs> yeah, it's happened. It's happened to me quite a lot as well. That some of the stuff that we've talked about in this podcast has been some shockingly topical for yeah. healing through the week on stuff randomly. It's funny mm-hmm. how a podcast about dark will do that. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have any mail? Hello, I'm the mailman. We have mail and we have a beautiful email uh, that I feel very honored to read today. Okay, so this email comes from Taylor. Taylor says, hey, y'all. Hello, Taylor. Hi, Taylor. Hi, Taylor. Just started listening to the podcast, so I won't be referencing any recent discussions, but I did want to talk about what led to me finding your show and how you three have been helping me. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Uh, what is it that you say when you're feeling particularly squishy in your flesh meets and your heart meets? particularly ooey gooey in your heart meets. Yes. Yeah. She says that yeah. when you're feeling vulnerable and that is today, I'm feeling particularly ooey gooey in my heart meet right now. So... Okay, Go on, get, Taylor. I'm get ready. ready to be stabbed in your heart meets. Oh, no. <laughs> <Phoebe's> bracing. <laughs> Brace for impact. When I finish a show, book, game, or anything that has a story I really connect to, I usually find a sadness on the other side. Mm. The reason behind this feeling is actually directly mentioned in the finale of Dark, when Marta asks Jonas if they'll be remembered, if any of it will matter. I think this being an explicit point made in the show caused me to feel it all even more so. When we leave a fictional world that we've enjoyed spending time in, I think the sadness we feel is because we realize that those characters we love didn't really exist and that their stories will not continue. Smash cut to me browsing Reddit, and I see a comment you referenced in the first Radio Winden episode, I think by Great Red Dragon, and it sounded like just the podcast I was looking for. A show where three friends remember these characters and story and talk about why the things we experience through the show are real and do matter. Oh my god. First, I I love to bits and pieces that Taylor found our podcast through the Reddit comment that we talked about yeah. the other day. That is awesome. Yeah. It's so special. And I think that really sums up the way that I've interacted with stories my whole life, where yeah. I will finish something that's super impactful and then just obsessively think about it. My brain will turn it over and pick it apart and miss it. Almost like I lost someone. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that, but I was like, is that yeah. too dramatic? Because you walk, no. away, especially <laughs> after our grief episode, you yeah. walk around like, why doesn't anyone know what this is? Yeah. How can it, mm-hmm. how can the world be going on when nobody knows like how co- this cool story or hey, you know, you're recommending to all your friends read this so that you we can have that shared experience. Yeah, it's 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 like a miniature version of losing someone or something in your life. Yeah, for sure. I don't really have many close friends that I keep in touch with. Such is life. I'm good, though. Don't worry. And even then, never really had people I could discuss things I've watched at the level that y'all do. So the format of your show has been filling that space perfectly. Having these discussions is a way to work through all the things I've been feeling. And I just wanted to thank you for that. I'll be here listening to every episode you do for this show and whatever is next. You three are great. Thanks for being you, Taylor. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. Thank you, Taylor. Also, Thank Taylor you, says, Taylor. "P.S. Feel free to read this in my name on the show. Apologies for writing a lot. You did not write a lot. No, Thank you for every beautiful. single word. Yeah. yeah. Yes." And thank you for taking the time to write to us. We really appreciate it. And I've, now I can't wait till Taylor gets to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know. know. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, until we say hello. Yeah. Uh, my first thought was the existential line of will we forget this or will they remember us? Will any of this matter? And how Taylor talks about kind of feeling lost in a way or specifically these characters were never real. Yeah. And their stories don't continue. 
Like I literally just ended a, how does this get topical every week? I just ended my like 33 long episode tabletop show or, or improv show about this exact subject. And it's like, I, there's a line in the show. So if you're watching the show and you don't want spoilers, I guess, but but, maybe, (laughs) should I say this or not? Yeah, say it. Just uh, skip ahead, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, skip ahead 15 seconds if you don't want to hear this. But um, uh, there's, there's a line in it that says, we are a series of moments, a collection of experiences that mold us into who we are and how we interface with the world. Eventually we all leave, but our essence exists through the memories of others. I'm not afraid and you shouldn't be either. I'll never forget you. And though our time with you has been short, in the grand scheme of things, it can mean as much as you want it to, and you can carry it as long as you like. And I think that resonates with me for books or stories or anything like, we don't have to be sad that they're not real because in a way they are real. They're real to us. Our experiences are real. Mm-hmm. We can learn valuable life lessons from things, anecdotes and stories and myths and, you know, entertainment, things like dark. We can take away. We can learn about ourselves. We can uh, grow. We can change. We can we can feel a profound loss. And it shouldn't be it isn't lessened because it's a TV show with fictional characters, because I'll tell you what real people acted in this show. Real people put their own experience and their own loss and their own feelings and their own stuff into that character. The writers put their own real life and their real experience and read, you know, tons and tons of books on all different things and poured their hearts and souls into that. So that is real. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember we can carry that as long as we like. Mm -hmm. And we can give it as much meaning as we want to. Want it to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. PB, first of all, I love that quote. It's beautiful. Thank you. you. And it reminds me of my favorite quote from Doctor Who, which comes from the 11th Doctor, which is, we are all stories in the end. Just make it a good one, eh? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Love that. Also on the topical subject, this is ridiculous. Uh, Mergles and I were talking before the podcast and speaking of stories that make a huge impact on us and we think about for however long afterwards I was just talking about how I feel like I've been led to this moment where I want to realize a dream that I've had in my head for like 13 years which is ridiculous but my favorite video game is Final Fantasy X and for the longest time I've played it so many times and I've thought through it so many times that in my head I've created scenes and things that are off camera and like insight into characters and I've wanted to write a book of it for so long. And I think I finally will yep. just as a fit, a ridiculous fan commemoration. Yeah. And it works out because um, the 20 year anniversary is next July. And so I think I'm going to make a challenge for myself to write a book in nine months of this, <laughs> this game that I love and I'll just release it for the community and it'll be my practice book. This is yeah. amazing. How has this podcast like, I, uh, what is this? Everyone go find something in your life that fuels us this way where we're all just like 
get in the fire to create and do cool stuff. Yeah. Acorn, that is such good news. That makes me so happy. Uh, you can totally do it. And we're going to, we're going to, Mergs and I are going to be on your ass being like, when's your, de you know, what yeah. deadlines are you setting yourself? And we're totally going to cheerlead the whole way. This is yep. amazing. And I told, amazing. I told Acorn you. that I just started Final Fantasy nine and it's my first yeah. Final Fantasy. So I'm going to play that. And then I'm going to play 10 after. And also you I'm going to do 10. art for you for this. So Yes, yep. I would love that so much. Yep. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> my answer's that, Phoebe. I it's almost like sorry, it's the gut feeling when you're in the right place at the right time. And yeah. I feel like I've just been coasting in that feeling for the last couple months. For the yeah. with all the crazy stuff happening in the world this year, it's actually crazier that I feel like I'm in. I'm where I need to be. Yeah, like, physically, mentally, emotionally, yeah. even spiritually. It's like I don't know. And that's a I huge we're victory, just, man. We're meant to that's do this. A, yeah, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge victory. When I wrapped my show last week or the week before, I guess I, I say last week because we did our roundtable last week, and I was holding off on emotions until that. Um, I, I swear to God, this is terrible, and no one, nobody, panic when I say this, but maybe someone will understand what I mean. I was like, I can die now. That was, <laughs> I feel so good, and like I, it, it went exactly the way I was hoping, except way more than I was hoping because it's an improv yeah. show right so it can go in any direction and I've run a couple of improv shows and they they always take a, um, a different direction than you originally intend and even the show did that but when I looked back at my notes of my dream ending like what would be really cool and then I saw like holy cow they kind of like improv their way to this point I can still make this 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 ending that is so important to me work I fucking lost my shit. I was like, this is so good. And then to just like, I poured my heart and soul and my existential crisis into the show. And it's like to see it end in a beautiful way that I, I feel like I can just put that out into the world. And like, dare I say it helps people. Yeah. And it has helped people. And the messages I've received from strangers is like, great. I've, I've done a thing. I'm now going to like, I, f I just feel this like huge weight that I've been carrying since I was like, I don't know, 17, maybe even earlier lifted from me. And now I'm like mm -hmm. floating. I'm like floating through my apartment. I like want to clean like that sounds crazy. But since since COVID and all that craziness, I've just been I've been depressed where it's like I just can't, you know, I can't do my chores regularly. I can't, you know, it's just all this normal stuff that is normal, by the way. If you're going through this and you're beating yourself up, please do not beat yourself up. This is a trauma response. Like everything changed for a lot of us. Go easy on yourself. It's totally fine. So I look around at that, you know, a little bit of my mess and I'm like, well, that's okay. Eventually you're going to feel like getting up off your butt and, you know, fixing some stuff. So, you know, I, I felt like that. I felt like this joy that I, didn't feel and I just feel like I said what I needed to say into the universe about like my confusion over death or like all this other stuff that's been going around in my brain and it just felt good it just just felt like a release of sorts anyway yeah. I don't know where I was going oh with that gosh. except to say that like I just felt I feel good I think those feelings of lightness and feeling good and almost at peace with yourself in the universe really comes from deep dives like this like yeah being unafraid in the face of your doubt or your fear or even the challenge of something and being able to overcome that and get to the yeah. other side, whatever that other side is, I think comes with that peace and clarity. Yeah. Even if that other side is simply, I don't know, which is something yeah. that I feel like a lot of people 
struggle with and I struggled with for a very long time. There can be peace and I don't know. Yeah. Even though it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Anyway, before we just <laughs> dive into existential crisis. <laughs> I think that level of peace and lightness can come from an experience of self-actualization. Like when you have, which I think is something that creative endeavors have a tendency to bestow upon us, yeah. is when you are following your sort of creative essence and you're able to follow that and do that in this despite all the doubt and despite all the difficulties and the growing pains and all of that stuff you know when you're able to actually get through all of that and do a level of self-actualization i think it just frees you to some extent you know i think it nothing raises your self-esteem more than accomplishing something that you have wanted in your like creative soul yeah, yeah, that's the other thing too. I didn't with gone like it's and I'm talking about it and I realize I don't think I've ever shouted gone out specifically on this podcast. I'm usually talking about Nocturne. You have because you have very you okay, have okay, gone have. out. Yeah. Um, but with gone specifically, I didn't realize I wanted to say that I didn't realize I had something to say about the state of, you know, existential crisis and all that kind of stuff. Like I didn't realize that that's something that I'd been carrying yeah. that I wanted to kind of put out there and just be like, I don't know either, fam but that's okay. So it's, it's just great. Like, I don't think I ever have to write another show again. I mean, I've already written two more that I've like set aside, <laughs> but it's all like, it's all like fun stuff. There's no, like, it's not the dark of m my shows, you know, where it's like, yeah. I'm setting out to say something. Whereas this show was very much that. And for like, you know, a year now, a year now, <gasps> I think yesterday was the first day I put pen to paper for the show. November no, 14th. Yesterday? November 14th. Yeah. 2019. Yeah. So it's been a year of. Oh my God. Yeah. Of exploring the question yeah. of your soul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Whew. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Let's stop talking about my show now. I'm so sorry. Those of you who have no idea what we're talking no, it's about. Okay. But... You, I think that deserves to be celebrated yeah. because you. You know, <laughs> we're talking about the importance of, of creative works and the impact they have on their viewership or their, their participants and I mean, Elsa Merg's finished her 48 hour yeah, film. That's what I was going to so say. We're all doing these too. weird things. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so Merg's has been working on a film on her Twitch channel. Like she works on it nearly every day. And it's been going for what? Eight months now, Merg's? Six months? Uh, yeah. Eight months. Yeah. Eight months. Eight yeah. Months. So she's, yeah. and so she's an, a professional storyboard artist and animator in the industry. You've probably seen something that she's worked on, but she... So she started streaming the whole process, including like just starting with an idea, storyboarding it out, then working on the backgrounds, then coloring those backgrounds. Then she's going to do animation, like all that stuff. And then she just decided to try to do challenge herself, put that film on pause since it's been eight months of work. And she's like, I'm going to do a new one, short film in 48 hours. And I don't mean she worked for 48 hours straight. She did yeah. like four days of 12 hours and she had a timer running on her stream. And it was, it was so cool to watch her do it. And she did it and she finished it. So did, now she's yeah. got like, she, it's cute. It's called trinkets. Where can they find it? I don't know yet. Probably next week I'll have a better idea because I have to figure out, I have to figure out what I'm going to do with it, what it's afterlife is. Oh, cool. Okay. I think I might just release it online, Yeah. you know, instead of like trying to do a festival circuit or anything like that. Like, I think I yeah. just want people to see it. Yeah. I'll probably yeah. just post it on Vimeo. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think that would be really sweet because, especially because I think it's a really cool message for other animators or creatives just in the industry, like not yeah. even just in animation, but in any, like I watched you do it and went, okay, what are some challenges I can do for myself like that in my industry Yeah, that will kind of light that fire under my ass? Because it was wild to watch you realize you were better than you thought you were going to be yeah. at it because yeah. you've been working yeah. for eight months straight. But what you've been working on was kind of slow. You weren't able to macro view your, you know, it's like when you're running yeah. or you're working out and all yeah. of a sudden one day you can fucking lift the table and you're like, when did that happen? You know, Literally. <laughs> six months ago, I couldn't even do one pull up and now I can do 20. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. It was it's insane. Just, yeah. It was a really, really cool experience to see how much I could get done and just like, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's been awesome because it taught me a lot of how to move forward with the main film, which I think yeah. I'm tentatively calling Moss right now. Yeah. Also, because I did that, like, I just feel this sense of, oh, I can do that. Like, I proved yeah. to myself I can do it. So I can do it on this one. And now I'm thinking of my next film, actually, yeah. Um, yeah. which is super cool. It's an idea that I had right out of school. And it was a film that I wanted to make years and years and years ago. But I was like, oh, I'm not good enough to do it yet. And, uh, and I think Man, I'm getting there. Feeling. Yeah. That feeling. There. I've had yeah. that yeah. too, where it's like, oh, this creative project, but I don't know how to do it yet. And then you yeah. get to the point where you're like, oh yeah, now I'm I got ready. it. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. Such a good feeling. What's crazy is we're sitting here and we're sharing our creative like projects and yeah. it's, it's amazing to me. And thank you, Taylor, for basically sending yeah. us the most topical email of all time. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing that we're sitting here and we're talking about the rightness of the timing and being like ready to produce something that's been sitting on our heart for so long. Like it's, I feel the same way about the final fantasy yeah. novelization. Yeah. Like it's another person's work, but it made such a huge impact on my life that it lived on my mind for these past 13 years. Yeah. So much so that it grew into its own thing. And I want to pay tribute to that. And for years I've wanted to be a writer and it's gotten to the point where I feel so rusty and I feel so scared to tackle one of the bigger books in my head that are mine. Yeah. And I feel like this would be a good way to not only pay tribute to what Final Fantasy X did for me, but also kind of be my crash course in the yep. book writing yep. process That's and just kind of do it. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. soon as you said it, I was like, this is her warm up. She's going to yes. fucking write after this. And yeah. I'm like, holy shit. That's amazing. Yeah. Our friend, Aaron Black, wrote a book. I have it on my desk in physical copy. And yeah, and Murgles did the cover art for it and watching him. So I'm going to I'm going to share something. Aaron, uh, he sent me the book early to read the first five chapters to take a peek for feedback and sitting down with him talking about the book. I was so impressed by his ability to be like, yes, I hear that note, but I'm not going to change it. Because if I change it, I'm going to want to do it throughout the whole book. And I'm done now. This yeah. one was my first book. Now I want to do the second one and take these notes and bring them to the second book. And yeah. I was so floored by that because that's where so many creatives get stuck. They get stuck in the, I want to make it perfect the first time. And he's like, nope, I did my best. It's a book. I wrote a thing. I did it. I'm putting it out there. Now I'm going to go do the second one and I'm going to just keep going. I'm not going to stop. And I'm, I'm not going to get stuck in this trap of, you know, waiting for everything to be perfect and waiting for, and he said to me, he's like, you know, peeps, the best time to do it is the time you think of it. 
-hmm. the second best time is right now. Mm-hmm. just watching him go through the scary process of writing and putting your work out there and just waiting and then dealing with, you know, uh, re-edits or reversions that he has to do for release and watching people tweet at him with the paper, you know, was so inspiring to me. I was like, damn, that is, that is some courage to do that. So I just, I want an acorn book. Yep. I also want an, I acorn, want an book. acorn book <laughs> in my hand yeah. on my desk. I want one. Oh my gosh. We got this ladies. Yeah, we do. All yes. right. Should we talk about dark? Should we talk about Inez? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much, Taylor, for that email. Okay. So, hello, ladies. Let's talk about Inez. Yes. Boy. Boy, Inez. So, first thing before we dive in, I know Inez, did anybody, it's not a German name. The German equivalent is oh. Agnes. <gasps> Wait, what? Wait, yes. What? Yes. Now, think about that for a second. I'm, because as soon as I, I heard that, I that. fucking lost my shit with the sun. It's just another moment of a parallel. It could mean nothing, but I doubt it. No, I doubt it. I doubt it. Well, okay, oh, because wow. that's crazy because yeah. I'm just going to jump in. I was going to yeah. do a whole timeline, but fuck it. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's just go. So <laughs> I read a theory and this blew my mind that Inez oh, God, was in Sigmundus the whole time. I'm going no. to read this. I'm going to read this Reddit post to you guys. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready? Okay. This came from uh, Jenny the She-Wolf. This is called the Inez debate. This is on Reddit. So if you want to go read it, go, go look this up. I'm just going to read the whole thing, honestly, because it's incredible. Changed my life. Inez is a bit of a mysterious character. Some think she's involved with Sigmundus, but others defend her and say she's just a nice lady who took in a lost boy. During season one, I was more inclined to believe that she was simply the nice lady we'd like her to be. But the more I know after seeing season two and rewatching things, the more I doubt that. There was a lot of evidence against her, arguably coincidences. But I think we can only have so many coincidences before they just stop being a coincidence. Exhibit A. The picture of the emerald tablet at the hospital. There appears to be some sort of connection between the hospital and Sigmundus, and I think Inez is at the center of it. Exhibit B. Inez calls Noah, of all people, to come to speak to Miko when he turns up. Coincidence? I think not. There's clearly some sort of relationship between the two. I argue with that one that, like, he was the priest at that time, so maybe she was, she was very religious and... Maybe she was just calling the priest, but I digress. Exhibit C. Inez's desperation to keep Mikkel in her custody when the state wants to put him into their system. At first, I thought she was just looking up for Mikkel's best interest, but I've come to question that more after rewatching the scene. There seems to be something unnatural to her desperate pleas, as if she knows it is important Mikkel stay where he is. Exhibit D. The way she brainwashes Mikkel to forget his past and accept that he is with her now. It clearly has an impact on him because when he's older, he tells Jonas that he did begin to question his sanity and forget his past to an extent. Exhibit E, the way she drugs Mikkel. You could say it was for his own protection, but I doubt that. She was just doing it for Mikkel's own good, then why is she so sneaky about it? I think it's just another way for her to make sure Mikkel stays where he is for the greater purpose. And Exhibit F, now this one's the kicker and I don't know why it didn't dawn on me sooner. How the hell did Inez get her hand on Michael's suicide letter? Michael killed himself at his own house, and Inez lives elsewhere at this point. It should have been Hannah and Jonas who found Michael in his letter when they got home from the party, but it appears that Inez was there first. Why was she there at that time? It seems that she knew what was going to happen, and when it was going to happen, and she got there to take the letter before anybody else could. Now, I don't think Inez is completely evil or anything. She does seem to care about Michael in her own way, but I do think that a lot of what she does is in service of Sigmundus. What is everybody else's opinion about Inez? Dude, the, okay, this is awesome. I'm yeah. totally here for theories. I, I love this. I love diving into this kind of stuff. Check this out. Okay. Okay. This is posted by Juhi, I think, 21. 
J-U-H-E-21. On Agnes's wiki page, it says that the name Agnes and Inez are this, you know, the same. Um, so, which we talked about. Okay, blah, 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 blah. Hold on, hold on. Who are Agnes's parents? This new information I discovered made me think that maybe Inez is Agnes's grandmother. And the son who supposedly died as an infant is Agnes and Noah's father. First of all, it always struck me as odd when Agnes said her grandmother was from Winden, but not her parents. If we believe the most popular theory that her parents are Magnus and Francisca, which I don't believe that to be true, but of course we know Agnes is somebody who lies easily. She's not new to Winden, but has been raised there, but still interesting to think that she specifically mentions only her grandmother. So if Inez's son is Agnes's father and stayed with Sigmundus the entire time, it might be true that one can't say he's from Winden. Of course, the question remains, who is Agnes's mother? But if the above-mentioned theory is true, it would finally tie Daniel Conwald and Inez Conwald into the big family tree by blood. But wait, Agnes and Noah's parents are Bartosh and Celia. Yes. So this was a year ago. So this was before okay, the okay, final okay, okay. season dropped. But still, okay. there's interesting information in there because i think if so bartosh and Celia, but do we know so bartosh's oh we know who bartosh's family yeah. and we know who Celia's family is too yeah so inez can't yes. be anyone's grandmother mm -mm. yep that makes total sense um yeah i mean she's Jonas's grandmother but yeah but she can't be yeah but only in Jonas's world yeah and so i'm i'm conflicted now because I went into my research this week thinking that Inez was ultimately the caretaker of Michael. She was the one who raised him and brought him into the 2019 timeline. Yeah. But she was outside of everything. She didn't know about the time travel or the Sigmunda stuff. And so much of season one was set up in a way to make you guess and wonder and read into people's uh, yeah. motives, which I thought ultimately meant that all of the stuff that Inez did that looked, seemed suspicious was just red herrings in the end mm. because she was outside of all the stuff. Yeah. But after hearing you talk about some of that, I don't know if they're just red herrings or if it's like a buried subplot because yeah. we only really see Inez in Jonas's world. We don't see her in Ava's world or Marta's world, Alt Marta. But at the same time, she's still on the family tree on the ground in Ava's lair. Yeah. And I don't know why, because if that link was broken, it would only be her father, uh, Daniel Conwald, and then her. There would be no Mikkel for her to raise into Michael. So she should be outside of the loop and not be represented, but she's still there. It's, yeah. it's really interesting to consider that she time traveled to be there specifically and is in bed with sick Mundus. do i believe that to be true i don't know yet but this is an interesting thought now yeah. another thought how did she get the letter i assumed one of the travelers got it and brought it to her because they know she's the only one that will respect the not opening till a certain time and i got to be honest with you if i got a letter from my child and they had killed themselves and said, do not open until this date. I don't know if I would be able to not open it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I would try very hard to respect their wishes, but I just don't know if I could wait that long. Um, yeah. So the fact that she does wait is incredibly speaks to her character. And then also, but if it doesn't speak to her character, maybe it's because she was in sick Mundus. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing too is there is some question about the letter because there's two letters really. Yes. Yes. And we see we see the instance where Jonas has it. Jonas takes the letter, doesn't he? 
like Jonas I, has I the letter. on this. And yeah. then so, is there a scene where he gives it to her? Yep. Yeah. Um, not to her, but I, so we haven't watched, we talked about this last episode, but we haven't watched the show in a while. So I'm running off of something that I stumbled in my research where someone tracked the letters progress through time. Oh, yeah. sick. And so it was written by Michael, read by Inez. Inez gives the letter to teenage Jonas Jonas keeps the letter for 33 years until he becomes the stranger and then travels back to 2019 and has Regina deliver the letter to teenage Jonas. Teenage Jonas reads it and burns it. Yep. So I think it's the same letter, but I'm thinking back and I don't think we ever saw how it got to Inez. Yeah. And yeah. it is the same letter. If we follow. It is the same yeah. letter because they show specifically the paper aging over time. Like when Jonas gets it, it's an older, it looks old. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. do think that they were intending that there's only ever been one letter. It's just sometimes there are two present in the timeline because two people have it at yeah. once. Jonas has the older, has the same letter and Ines has it still. Um, so, it, but it is the same letter. Um, I'm sorry. That just immediately, like <laughs> my, my son just committed suicide and the letter he gives me, which tells me to open it in like six months time. looks it's old as months. fuck. No, hers it doesn't looks look like, old. Hers doesn't look old. Okay. So what happens is, yeah, is he she opens it, the box. Either Inez gets it or a traveler gets it to yeah. secure the timeline and gives it to her. Yeah. She has it a month after or the, 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 the brand new one. Yeah. She waits, she reads it and then holds it and then gives it to Jonas 33 years later. Okay. Uh, teenage Jonas. Sorry, teenage Jonas. And then Jonas, Jonas keeps it, for, keeps 33 it for 33 years and gives it to himself to keep yep. the timeline going. Yeah, even in the I, wiki, it says Inez somehow managed to collect his suicide note and yeah, keep it at her yeah. apartment. Yeah. Um, I keep thinking about what you just said, PB, about if you were the mother of someone yeah. who killed himself yeah. and you have a letter, it's the last piece of him. Yeah. And it says, do not open until this day and time. Yeah. Would you be able to do it? And I don't I don't know. know. I don't know. I mean, I've lost friends to suicide and had, yeah. you know. It's, it's hard. It, it is so hard to um, not cling to the last thing that they leave. So I just, yeah. I, you know, am I saying that it's not possible? No, because it's entirely possible that she loved him so much. She wanted to respect his final wishes, you know, like, please yeah. don't do this. It's the last thing you asked of me. The least I could do is be there for you now when I clearly wasn't there for you enough beforehand you know like i get that sense of duty yeah. and obligation um so i would like to be the person that could do that i just am being honest and saying like i don't know if i could also the fact that all the scenes where we see her looking at the letter she does it in almost a ceremonial way yeah, she takes she out the box she sits down the up, table yeah. she opens it and holds it and stares at yeah. it so it makes me think that she is using a lot of self-control yes. to not open yeah, it. yeah i agree with that yeah. i agree with yeah. that yeah yeah i just had a moment real quick uh Inez gives Mikkel the Captain Future magazine yes. or the, the comic yeah. book. And she also uses that to, let's just use the word, gaslight him into arguing that what she what he is telling her about coming from the okay, future on, is just as a result of reading that comic yeah, book. We can't call it gaslighting. And so if, I'm so sorry. We can't call it gaslighting. because And this is something that came up with everybody's hate on Inez. No way would you believe that this kid actually was from the future? Yes. In, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm saying in context of if she was in sick Mundus. 
Oh, yeah. And okay, she gave enough. him the comic then, book yes. in order to tell him that his imaginary world is yeah, just okay, coming from fair that enough. comic I'm book. sorry to jump on So I was that. not saying, yeah, just yeah, to yeah, be yeah, very yeah. clear, I was not saying that she you know believed and then yeah, yeah. If i'm she just was talking in about in the context she knows, if yeah. she was in sigmundus then she knows and then it would make her giving him that specific comic book and then using that information in this imaginary world where she is in sigmundus against him yeah uh, in that case it also would be. we we touched on this and didn't really run with it but the the box that she puts the letter in yeah. it has the tree as above so below the tree with mm -hmm. the the branches reaching yeah. to the sky and then the roots going down into the ground and yeah. it has all the symbols of like religious like she's religious we know that she goes to church and at least in my experience with christians they tend to uh push away the how do i say this christians tend to adhere very closely to the teachings of their religion and they observe the teachings of other religions, but don't really believe them to be true in the same way. So I think it's interesting that she has, as a Christian woman, a box with various symbols from other religions on it, including that tree. Uh, does it have other symbols from other religions? Because if I remember correctly, it's just a box that has a tree on it. Like it's it could the tree just of be life, that. Though. It's it's the yeah yeah the, with the here I still have the picture. I remember that it has the up and down, but like, I, I guess you could argue that she just has it because she likes Here's, here's the box. what I thought. Like, I don't think it was her box. I think it was dropped on her doorstep. Oh. Did we not see a scene like that where she picked something up? Am I just having a moment where I'm filling in the blanks? There was no scene like Maybe. this. I think Noah gave it to her. I think it's so originally when I watched it, I was like, oh, a traveler gave this to her so that she would, yeah. you know, or because if think about it, if Adam knew, which he did, that he himself encouraged his dad to do what he did and write the letter and it's what makes him Adam, he's going to try to maintain mm -hmm. that. So I actually think yeah. it's from Adam's side where even Jonas himself may have gone to pick up the box and give it to her. I mean, the stranger. And so she just kept the box with the letter yeah. to like yeah, maintain it. Well, because if, okay. if, okay, so I feel like we're in two camps right now. And this, this episode's yes. amazing because it's two, two Inez's, one where she's in sick moodness and one where she's totally innocent. And I love it. And I yeah. think we should totally yeah. spend the rest of this episode kind of like debating one or the other. Finding yeah, for either, for, for yeah. both, uh, really. But yeah. think about it. If, if it shows up on the doorstep and she picks it up, she's going to think it came from her son. Like the last yeah, thing her yeah. son did was drop it off in this box and, you know, this letter and it was for her. So it's possible she has no idea. But if it is, if she is in Sigmundus, then she knew the box would be coming. Like she she knew what well, was coming, which is extra yeah. crazy. So I have some more evidence to, to toss yeah. in here, which was something that I, I forgot completely when yeah. doing from when I did my watch of the show. Inez is in the scene. She's in Tanhouse's shop in season one with Yana. She's friends with Yana. When Ulrich is there. Yeah. Yeah. When Ulrich is there. So she's in there getting a watch that Tanhouse was fixing for her father. She's talking about the boys who were found and Ulrich comes over and like shakes her and is like, tell me where the boys are. And so I wonder like when she sees older Ulrich come to grab Mikkel, would that not also be... You know, Mikkel's already telling you that this is her, this is your, you know, your father and that you're a time traveler and 
then you see someone who looks remarkably like the person who shook you in the I see what you're saying yeah I so that she was like maybe what 13 or something there and when she adopts Mickle she's probably like what 30s 40s 30s I'd say or so so maybe like 20 30 years later 40 I could I could almost see maybe a vague recognition. Also, he is super, super old when he comes to kidnap. Yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Mickle. So I could actually yeah. see that recognition, that faint recognition translating into enhanced fear. Like something yeah. feels really off about the situation. I need to remove my my son, Michael, from this situation yeah. as quickly as possible because there's something off about this man. And that's not the first time they do that, right? Because Aegon has that reaction i never forget a face yeah. and so he has an mm-hmm. uneven bit but again we know that time travel is real in this universe but they have no fucking idea and i think yeah. your first thought is definitely not i recognize you you must have time traveled it's like your brain would see somebody and be like you're familiar to me but i have no idea why that's strange where do i know you from the last thing on your mind is like you're a time traveler so i and they address that in the show a couple times so it wouldn't surprise me if inez had like a deep-seated discomfort or something around that so yeah that's that's very 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 interesting um another thing that's interesting is that phone call that hannah leaves for Inez that says the power's yeah. out. If you want us out of the house, then just say so. But your grandson hasn't seen you in over three months. Do you think Michael wanted that? That's sick. You're sick. Also, remember when Inez, I'm just like reading some stuff now, catching up on yeah. scenes. When she's making Toast Hawaii to cheer Michael up, he asks her a line that Noah asks him in the hospital, which is, do you believe in God? And if he has a plan, And she says she does and that God planned for her to take care of him. And then, you know, she hugs him. And of course, that's the other thing, man, is like, yeah, I feel like you could read into it as like little hints of sickness. But also she when I watched the show, I never picked that up. I just saw her as someone who was trying her best and wanted to give a child love. And like, especially when you look up in her past, apparently she lost a son or she lost a a child um, at a young age. You know, I. I came to it from a very empathetic way. So I, like you peeps, I was so surprised when I saw that people yeah. hated her. I and was surprised so too. aggressive yeah. about but it. But then what does that like, say? Evil. What does that say about the story and the show that there are two very distinct camps? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. So when I, when I watched it for the first time, I took it as Noah took advantage of the situation like Noah, yes, me too. Noah knew she was going to come to him for counsel and be like, there's a boy here that needs my aid. And Noah was like, God has a plan. There's a reason. Maybe you should do that. And yeah. I took it as him manipulating her because of her loss of her son into adopting Mikkel. But it's very interesting to consider that maybe she was a part of Sigmundus the whole time. I love, I love that kind of like the idea that there could be two different ways to look at it and that there's evidence for both. And we just don't know. We just don't know uh, which one it is. Yeah. Another thing that I found, which is, you know, that photo of Sigmundus, and I'm sure we'll get into this more in our Sigmundus episode. Um, but there's a lot of extra people in Sigmundus in that yeah. photo. I forgot that there were so many other people. And I did find this Reddit post where someone was found someone who could arguably look like Inez. Now, I don't think Some of these seem off to me, so I don't know. For the record, this photo will be put in our show notes and posted by sad underscore IB. 
but it basically just like points out who the main players are in the photo and then points out that there are other players at work here and like who could they be i can tell this was like early game because they have people like peter and uh martha and tranta in here but again i feel like i have a red herring radar right now it's like did they plant this to make people do exactly this pull up the picture blow it up (laughs) and like attach people that looks like woller and I said the same thing. I was like, that looks like Wohler. No, that can't be. And then somebody else has it and then is like, Wohler? What the f***? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, was, was this a, a, an intentional misdirection from the, the show makers? I don't know. Because the other thing is, okay, so the one that is like older Hannah is the one that throws me off. I was basically on board with a lot of them, but I don't think that looks like older Hannah. And also Hannah wouldn't. Uh, we know that Hannah was not in Sigmundus. We know so, a lot of these um, people were not like Martha, for instance, but that's in but Tranta, That's what I mean. And Wohler. Yeah. But that's <laughs> what I mean about, about then who are these people? Yeah, this yeah. Is who so are these interesting. people? Cause these people exist. So, and they were part of Sigmundus, like they're in this photo. So they're indicating to us, the showrunners are indicating to us that Sigmundus was like a bigger operation yeah. than the players at work. Except and in, that in it's what not, other ways? It, they try really hard to not make it be uh, bigger, right? What if those actors are in background scenes? I, I, I now want to go and look oh, and see Christ. because think about, think about this for a second. They wouldn't add people into this photo just willy nilly. Yeah, no. Everything that we've learned is like everything has a place and is important so what if in like the background of major scenes where things happen there's like someone walking and like crosses the street in the way and like stops you from finding a b or c and they just happen to be the someone from this photo they could be time agents yeah (laughs) i gotta say that that inez one does look it's the same jawline yep that is very interesting yeah but the the older hannah i don't you know obviously we don't It'd be really cool to go back and look at this now with what we know now and try to figure out who these people are. Man, that does look like Wooler, though. Holy crap. And that does look like Tront a little bit, but I don't know if I would just slap that on him. Yeah. One of them has to be Adam, doesn't it? Well, Adam is sitting. Oh, yeah. There right he is. There yep. in the front. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Wow. This is so cool. I'm questioning everything now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I love that. I do yeah. too. Because at least when I was doing research, I just kept thinking through the lens of the first season was so full of red herrings and it put so much emphasis on different things like the missing children and the importance of Eric, for instance. And he ended up just being, you know, one of the missing boys. He wasn't integral to the plot. And I feel like in a lot of ways, Inez was that way. And they built up her surroundings and her story to make it seem like she was more involved. And I was thinking, you know, it's the 80s. Maybe she just didn't know what to do. She was drugging him because she works in the healthcare industry. And she knows if she takes him to a professional and he's sitting there going, I come from the future and I have another family and this and that. He could end up being heavily drugged worse than the sleeping pills. Like I was looking at it through the lens of she was just doing the best that she could because she loved him and wanted to be there for him because he was troubled and or abused, potentially. I could see her thinking that. Yeah. Sorry, crazy. Please, please feel free to toss this out immediately. What if Trant was the child she lost? Because Trant was in a home. And Inez and Agnes are the same name. Oh, my God. If you, oh, my God. If you 
follow the logic of the timeline is not dependent on biology, bloodline, and more families and succession, potentially. Although there was so much emphasis put on the unknown in Agnes and Tranta coming from that union. I don't know. I think, do we ever hear that he died? Or did we all just assume that her son died? Um, season one, episode five, apparently, is when she makes that comment. And I was actually going back to to look it up myself and then didn't get there. Because I have a crazy thought just now. Okay, if he I will look missing. for it. I'm actually, I have it queued up, so I will let you know. What if someone took him? Yeah, what if he went gave missing? Gave him to Agnes. He was in a home or something. Because he was in a home, right? And then she is, he's never really like, she's my mom. Yeah. He's very like... We talked about the home potentially being Sigmundus too. And that was just like yeah. a translation for yeah. the normies. Yeah. Because it would be very interesting to me. Plus it's that missing, repeating itself again, a missing boy. Yeah. Which would be... But I can't remember now if she ever says he's dead. But I just... I implied it. I inferred it based on what she was saying. But you're right, Mercs. Tranta does not seem very attached to Agnes. He's very... She seems more like a guardian than a mother. And I don't know if it's just that that's their kind of relationship or what. Yeah, he he also ends up with her best friend, Yana. Oh, yeah. Okay. Erin's uh, asked her if she had any children, but it, Inez 1986 denies saying that she had a son that died when he was born. So it, this could go. I think this could go either of two ways. She had a son who died when he was born. The end. She's not in the loop. She's not in. Yeah, she's not in Sigmundus. Yeah. Or she's in Sigmundus. They took her son to, you know, perpetuate the timeline in A, B, or C way, and then promise her, "Hey, but listen, we'll give you another boy if you wait patiently." Oof. Oh, I just found it. Yeah. Um, season one, episode five. She's talking to the children's service lady, and Inez says, "I had a son who died just after he was born." Okay. Yeah. And so, I, okay. I gotta say, though, Sick Mundus being like, we'll give you if you're patient enough is kind of creepy. Except, though, that in the hospital, she's clearly thinking about it. She's not like, oh, this is the son I've been waiting for, you know? Yeah, she seems to be mulling it over. And I think, I think it was Noah's episode where we talked about how he was probably behind planting the idea in her head and how he was encouraging her to do this as like a good Christian duty or something to like adopt him. Also, the only hole I see in that theory, though, or I guess the biggest hole I see in that theory is the floor of Ava's lair. It's the only mistake that's revealed is Tranta being Regina's father. Everyone else is there with the correct connections. And in Ava's world, Daniel Conwald... And and Inez Conwald are by themselves are kind of sandwiched in everyone. I have a, a picture we will add to the show notes. And so I remember. So actually, when I was watching season three for the first time, there was a scene where the characters were talking above that family tree on the floor. And I paused it and poured over it for a good five minutes and mm. found out who Bartosh's and Agnes's parents were before it was even revealed in the show because it was there in the family tree. So it's I insane. believe if there was a connection there, if there was like some sort of thing going on behind the scenes, it would have been truthful because everyone would have known. Like it would have been represented in the family tree because everyone would have known. Yeah. I think so like one other thing as well is like obviously the rule of threes is super important 
Uh, well, I was just going to say like rule of threes in the sense that like I'm having Mads a went fucking breakdown Nicole. when you said that. Like what? <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> well, Ma- Mads went missing. Mm-hmm. Mika went missing. Mm-hmm. If if she is Trant's mother and he was taken from her, then that would be the third instance of that going down the line. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, it's totally a shot in the dark. It's probably absolutely not a thing. Everything says, man, those theories are fun, though. It's yeah, fun they to are think yeah. about it. I mean, really, what this says is we have uncovered so many good, mm-hmm. delicious little plot twists and character things in this podcast that we are completely ready to talk about any theory yeah. to, to its end, which I think is awesome. I just think that's like such a cool way to look at. They clearly put so much heart into this. Like, it's so fun to go through and be like, who are these other people in this photo? Because I bet they are somebody either that we didn't end up seeing or somebody who's in the flipping background of stuff. Like, could one of these be Helg? No. Yes? No. When? So this photo was taken in the very, very... But Helg doesn't time travel back to this point ever, does he? Or does he? 1953? Uh, No. When was this photo, this old uh, Sigmundus photo taken? Oh, 19... 19 something. 18, 19, 1920. Yeah, so he doesn't ever go back that far, does he? No. No. Okay, so it can't be Helg. I'm just like... Also, it's not Peter. Peter was never in Sigmundus, right? No, no, not no. as far as we know. So that's an on. I need a version of this photo where I can do who we know for sure. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then yeah, the yeah. rest, who the hell are these people? So I found another uh, person, um, Maggie1417, who has potentially put up the idea about the identity of Inez's dead son. Inez mentions that she had a child, but he died shortly after birth. Mm-hmm. I made a short list of candidates and she lists Trant as number two. Interesting. We know Trant spent some time away from her in a home. Maybe Agnes is not Trant's biological mother, but only took care of him after he was taken from Inez. Whoa, listen to this theory. The scene in which Inez talks about her son in season one, episode five. This is from uh, Luke X, Srams X, S. In season one, episode six, there's a scene in which Yana tells Ulrich about the affair between Claudia and Trant, and she goes on to say that it wasn't his first affair. The fact that Inez and Yana are not seen together in other timelines, even though they were best friends in 1953, makes me think that one of Tron's affair was with Inez, and I think that their son is Boris Niewald. <gasps> Whoa. Oh, that would be insane. Man, this is Boris a fun... Niewald, Nielsen, plus Convald. Boris Niewald. You know what? Shut up! You know I'm what? Not I... <laughs> Dude, My brain no! tried to pick that up the other day, and it couldn't get there, but oh my god. That... Fuck off! okay i've actually always had a problem with the fact that boris comes into town and we don't know who the fuck he is he's not tied to anyone he you know commits these murders and then rolls in and then marries regina and that's that's it like everyone this is a this is a, a show about parents and children and missing and grief and all of these themes and it's always bothered me that boris aka alexander doesn't have parents that's ever revealed because except for daniel and inez there aren't any real convolves in the series yeah okay so talking from like a production standpoint there are so many families and so many characters here what if that was their intention from the beginning and it just couldn't get on screen yeah, and so that's they what had I'm to like, oh, yeah. yeah, they had to like cut off half of Alexander's storyline and they just simplified it to he's a guy from out of town. He supposedly committed these murders and now he's Regina's like true love and that's it. Yeah. What if, yeah, 
And so he is tied to Inez. Oh, interesting. That's so fucking good. And the thing about this episode and these conversations, we're obviously talking about two camps here. And I think because Inez is not very much in the show outside of what we've discussed so far, I think it's going to be really difficult for us to settle on any one camp or the other. I think the way the show portrays Inez, she's innocent. But yeah, there there are certain traces and themes and like little roots that come off of a character when you have a certain direction that you want to go with them in like pre-production or in your story writing, right? So we could be picking up or the fans could be picking up on something that the showrunners maybe intended to explore with her, but they ended up not. Yeah. And I think, I think that's just natural in the creative process too, where you just like, we wanted to do this, but we didn't get to. So let's just change a few lines here and there and wrap it up. But there's still remnants of that original plan littered around the entire show, which I think is great. There's just like one other thing that I want to touch on a little bit that I saw a lot on Reddit um, that I just wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, A lot of the Inez hate comes from her medicating him. Yes. And a lot of the hate comes from, like I saw a lot of replies on Reddit saying there's absolutely zero reason to ever medicate a child. And I think that that's wrong. I agree. And I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. I think that there are, you know, I think there there's a time and a place when a child goes through some severe trauma. Absolutely. Medication, aid, and therapy are like things that are are needed. Now, we as viewers know that he's telling the truth and that he has time traveled. But if I was a nurse working in a hospital and I saw a kid saying, I'm from the future, I'm from this year, something horrific has happened to this child. And right. they have dissociated so badly yes. that they believe that they are from the future and they refuse to acknowledge any other possibility. That's that indicates a severe level of trauma. And I understand him not being able to sleep, him having nightmares. And I understand the desire to try to like, you know, help him get through his new life and wanting to be like, okay, it's like she, and this is a strange comparison to make before anybody jumps down my throat. I I understand that it's a weird comparison to make. It's like when you knowingly take on a, you know, a disabled pet or, you know, something, a pet where you know that they're going to have issues. And it's like, I think Inez knew that. She was like, this boy is very troubled, but I want to try. And I want to like, you know, I want to give him his best shot at life. And I don't want to run the risk of his real parents finding him, you know, and like taking him back to wherever he's from and wherever this traumatic event happened. And I think yeah. personally, I, I'm in the camp of Inez is not in sick mundus, although I really do enjoy the theory that she is part of it. I imagine her looking at that letter, wondering if it's him finally telling her what happened to him. Oh, yes. Like what kind of trauma or abuse he went through as a child. I think she waited her whole life for him to tell her. And it wasn't until much later that she realized he was right and carried a lot of guilt after that. Like, imagine she must have known at that point. Why didn't she see Jonas for three months? Well, I also think Jonas went, he went to an institution, right? For three months, he implies that. So Inez just didn't go and visit her. Like, I don't want to judge anybody's um, 
how they deal with loss. A lot of times you can't look at the person who looks like your son, you know, like I, I totally get that she couldn't look at Jonas because it reminded her of Mikkel and everybody goes through loss in a very different way. So, you know, Hannah being like, you, you know, you haven't seen him in three months, like, you know, people grieve in different ways and hopefully Jonas will understand when he's older. There's just a lot of bit of understanding you have to go through when you lose someone like that, um, especially in, a, in that way. I wonder, I wonder when she knew. And that's what has me stuck on the is Inez part of Sigmundus. Because yeah. it's not like, I mean, was Inez just, she didn't live in the house. So it's possible she wasn't really around when Mikkel would come and hang out with Jonas. Yeah. It's possible she didn't really run into young Mikkel. But you're telling me you wouldn't see Mikkel as a young boy and go, oh my God, what year is it? And go, holy shit. That's my right. son. Yeah. I almost yeah. I almost wonder if her giving the house to Hannah and Jonas and Michael was the writer's way of removing her from the story. So she wouldn't happen to run into Mikkel. Well, so here's the thing. She's supposedly best friends with Yana and Yana's married to Trond and has young Ulrich and Mads. Mads goes missing. So and then Ulrich has kids. So it's not as if she's not connected to that family at all yeah it depends this, on like how connected still she stays with, also yeah. yana goes through like intense depression when she loses mads and i i would imagine yeah. removes herself she from cut a lot her of social yeah circles. she cut herself out from okay, social okay. circles well, then, that's possible yeah but this this fact is probably the most driving factor for me on potentially that she's part of sigmundus yeah like how would she not have seen yeah young mickle a fucking photo anything and not had Anything. that sinking feeling that maybe he was right. And like, well, I will say that for her, yes, I, I think about that also with Hannah. Like, how did Hannah not see young Mikkel? Because she did. Mm -hmm. Like, she, he was Ulrich's son. Yeah, but, but I, don't I think, think about you would, faces. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, you would, I don't remember faces. <laughs> you know, like I look like a spitting image of like my great great great. You know, that photo I show you, Mergs, of like me as a kid yeah. and, and her as a kid, where it's like you know, sh and it's like a spitting image. So I imagine yeah. it's just kind of like that where you're like, whoa, you know, or they look familiar or you've got a soft spot for that child because they remind you of, of, but I don't think it's very often that you sit down and go, look at this. You look like a spitting image of, you know, this child. You know, I just don't think I'm willing to believe that it's in the realm of possibility that they just look familiar. Or you go, you know what? You look yeah. like you're... But then Yana has a kid, names him Ulrich. Mikkel hides his dad's name, right? Because I think what's what's very interesting and what will t maybe tip me one way or the other is when he goes to the police station, he's looking for his father. And he says yeah. the name Ulrich. Nielsen. And Egon knows and that Egon name. Egon knows that name. So you're telling me that Egon didn't divulge? Well, he did go talk to Inez and he says, do you know Ulrich? And then ask for a photo of the boy. When? There's a scene. Uh, let me find it. Let me find it. I think there's also something to be said about the way that this town is structured, how everyone knows each other. They grow up together. There's something to be said of being so close to someone that you see them day in and day out changing because yeah. it's so many rewrites in your brain of the way they look like, the way that they yep. act, that it's harder to recall your first impressions when you first met them. Yeah. Uh, this is on June 23rd. I have to figure out which episode this is. Um, Egon Tiedemann visits her saying he wants to put closure to some of his old cases now that he's retired. He wants to speak to Michael, but Inez responds that he's asleep, claiming that he's feeling ill. Egon asks about his old family. Inez says that he wants to move on from them. She further explains that he has never mentioned the names of his relatives. 
He further asks about the mentioning of Ulrich or the White Devil, only for Inez to be more confused. He tells her that he's going to talk to Michael on the next day, and she should call him if he has more information. When leaving, Egon finds the sleeping pills, and Inez claims that she's been taking them. Egon asks for a picture of the boy, to which she applies. I remember that scene. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that scene too. But what troubles me about that is that Aegon knew the name Ulrich. He was sitting at the desk when Mikkel walked in and was like, my dad works here. His name's Ulrich Nielsen. Yes. Yeah. So hold on. You're telling me that Aegon knew the name Ulrich Nielsen and never told Inez when she adopted him? Like, hey, this is what he's been saying. So I'm reading this right now. This is June 25th. This is the episode where he runs away with with Ulrich. At the hospital, Inez opens up the medication cupboard, looks around, sees no one's watching, takes some sleeping pills, and puts them in her pocket. Another nurse walks out and sees her with the cupboard open. She pretends she has to take more iodine. She asks Inez whether she's heard about the supposed child murderer, Ulrich Nilsson from 2019, escaping from the asylum. Inez returns home looking for Michael, but there's no sign of him. She sees the door ajar, goes outside, and notices two cups on the picnic table. She calls Egon, saying she's worried the man who broke out of the asylum asylum may be involved with M- Michael's disappearance. Egon says he'll notify the station and come pick her up. Does she specifically say Ulrich Nielsen, though? The nurse? I, or does she, she just says the child murderer, right? She doesn't say his name. Yeah, I think it's something general like child murderer. Because I don't think Ulrich ever gives out his name. When he gets taken, they're like, who are you? And he refuses to give his name. Because that's why he got the name the inspector, because he yeah, refuses he to, sh- to re- tell his he name. He refuses to give his name. But when does Egon realize that it's him? Because Egon realizes that it's him. Egon goes to him. Egon goes to talk to Ulrich in the institution in season two, episode two. And I think Ulrich also refuses to tell him anything there, too. So Egon yeah. starts to have his suspicions, but it's not actually confirmed until much later, right before his death. Yeah, right before Claudia nicks him, which we'll talk about more probably in Egon's episode. But like, this is strange to me. This is kind of leading me down the Inez rabbit hole of Sick Mundus. But, but it's, it's also completely explainable by just like not wanting to believe in time travel, not knowing Ulrich's name. Because she doesn't know Ulrich's name. She just knows a crazy guy escaped from somewhere and, you know, maybe took her son, which is another missing boy. Yeah. 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 I think ultimately what I, again, what, what we probably all find super interesting is that there are two camps. There are people who really, really dislike Inez. And then there are people who see her as just another one of the sort of sideline victims of the time travel yeah, go for it, Peeves. Oh my god. Okay. Dude. What? I'm sorry. I'm just noticing what the fucking creators were putting down. So Inez is another version of Agnes. Yeah. What is what is the one thing that Mikkel shows Agnes? What is that that fucking trick? The disappearing act. Gone, but then appears somewhere else. With the cups. Yeah. What he if shows that, Inez though? Yeah. That's what you what mean, if, right? Yeah, but like what if that's the creators doing that to us? Missing child gone and then appears somewhere else. What if that is a, a way to be like, Trant, what's, your child didn't die, Inez. Your child is somewhere else. Oh, shit. What if there is more meaning to that trick? What if that trick isn't just simply there to be there? I mean, I know to it's To represent there. Mikkel. Yeah. Yeah. What if it's representing not only Nickel, but also Inez's son? What if yeah. that was part of the story that got cut out? 
it was representative I, of two missing children or and they could only three, focus on one right because look at it could also represent Jonas gone and then appearing somewhere else yeah like that Is every single one of the boys all all the men in that line do they all time travel do they all go missing the nielsen's tronted time travels yeah ulrich time travels mads time travels mickle time travels oh shit holy shit jonas time travels oh shit yeah, yeah. so what Every if it started with male Tronta? in that lineage yeah Ines just randomly has another son. The only instance in this show where there's just an unspoken for character who just happens to die naturally. It's possible. Yes. And it's possible that Noah took advantage of her. It's possible that she is innocent and not at all connected. But with yes. the tagline of everything's connected, I, I am starting to lean towards a camp of there might have been something untouched on here. I bet they yeah. have something written that they just didn't get a chance to explore. And maybe it's not that Inez is in Sigmundus because that's that's where everyone lands when they feel something, they notice something and they don't know what it means. There's yeah the thought there's something more to Inez can obviously lead to she's involved, she's in Sigmundus. But yeah. I like to think that something's going on with Inez is more her character had a bigger tie in than the show yeah. was able to explore yeah so like her son or something else yeah 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 and so, so that too. is actually another example of a closed loop too because if yeah. her child quote-unquote died in childbirth but was actually tranta and was removed and given to agnes tranta had ulrich ulrich had mickle mickle went back in time and was raised by inez his like yeah. what great grandmother or something if that's true do you think yeah. do you think she was a nurse before she lost her child and childbirth or do you think she became a nurse after Ooh, good question know, maybe. because man if Munis was like if we take her child and say it's a stillborn yeah, yeah. she'll become a nurse and then she'll be prime yeah. ready for mickle holy fucking shit i yeah honestly i subscribe to this yeah that I'm, feels I'm like that, something yeah. that the creators would do yeah yeah and because again and another i like loop. the idea that inez is maybe potentially unaware of all this that's happening but yeah. everyone around her knows and they they're putting themselves into position to be able to continue this yep. loop right and that's why they had to cut her story and it's in, and it's in the dark like yeah. everything that's happening yes. to her around her is not in the light as we've learned with marta's approach it's very much yeah. adam's approach to things we're going to sneakily yeah. put position noah noah has to be here to do a lot of different things but also to guide inez to even you know adopt my dad and like all this kind of stuff like man that's yeah. super interesting that's super interesting what if to noah think about was there what if Noah was there when, what if Noah took her kid yeah. and was like, I'm so sorry, your child is dead. Yeah. And that creates the bond that she has with him yeah. because he is the one that guides her through that experience yeah. or Reef. something like that. You know what really kind of leads me to believe that might be true? <laughs> what? The fact that Inez and Agnes are the same. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. same name meaning you yeah. mean? Yeah. Inez and Agnes are the same so from a from a creative TV show writing or long form storytelling perspective, the first opening scene in your film or your TV show is one of the most important scenes. Yep. It's just one of the most important scenes for storytelling, for setting the tone. And what is in that first scene? It's the fucking disappearing act. And yes, it's important because he ends up having that moment with Ulrich later and that's how he realizes it's his son. But like, I'm starting to think it's them talking to us 
we're going to do yeah. a disappearing act for you. Can you catch it? Houdini. Yeah. yeah. Which they do multiple times. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Inez's son is, you know, the, the one disappearing act, but they yeah. do it with Mikkel. They do it with Jonas. They do it with so many other characters in the show. So it's almost like Mikkel in that first opening scene is talking directly to us. We're, the creators are telling us we're going to do a disappearing act. See if you can follow. It's yeah. so cool to think of it that way. Yeah. Now, what if Inez was with someone I think it's very, very interesting to think that potentially whoever she did or was with at that time was Sigmundus and one of those people in that photo that we haven't seen. That would be really cool. Yeah, because they know this is going to be Trant and then we're going to have to take him. It would have to be someone from Sigmundus. Crazy. What if Wohler was in Sigmundus and was a time traveler (laughs) and it was Wohler? You think that's how he lost his eye? No, because it's always something stupid. He's like... I mean, he is with Hannah at the end having Jonas, meaning that he has a familial connection in the last scene into that family's line, taking Mikkel's place. That's it. That's Wait, it. what? I believe it now. That's it. What? That one scene. The fact that he's sitting there. I believe it now. I totally subscribe to the Wait, fucking Wollers and Sigmundus theory. <laughs> <laughs> or Wohler is the one that... Yeah, that man, that's so cool. That's such a neat theory. I'm totally into that because they wouldn't just have him sitting anywhere with anyone. And the fact that they addressed, hey, we know he lost his eye and we've been trying to tell you this story, but you're never going to get it. That is that to me as a creator being like, you're going to go on to Reddit and you're going to be like, oh, they never tied this up and they never. And we know that that's what's going to happen. So we're just going to nip that in the bud right there. Like we see you, you know, two eyes, two sons. One son is missing. Yeah. Oh, man. Man, that's 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 it's that's so fun it's so tin hatty, yeah, it's so but... <laughs> tin hatty, but it's fun. It's fun. I'm missing the so Wohler being in Sigmundus. What's the connection again? I feel like my brain's just not grasping it. Connection would be that they have Jonas potentially in the very last scene of the show. She's like, I'm going to name him Hana, Jonas. Yeah. yeah, but for Jonas to be, you know, Jonas, he would have to, you know, she would have to have have the kid with. Mikkel. But potentially, if Wohler was a part of that family line with that DNA, then they could potentially still have a Jonas or a very similar Jonas because he's replacing Mikkel and or Michael. Oh, So it's just an interesting thought. Yeah, if it comes from the same thought. So it's interesting to think that if Wohler and Inez had Trant, then potentially they could still have I'd like to I'd like to go away from this. I'm going to go away with this rewatch in mind with that fucking photo, like printed yeah, out yeah. up on my TV so that I'm like keeping an eye out for who these people could possibly be. Yeah, man. What an interesting what an interesting perspective. I did not yeah. clock Inez potentially being in part of Sigmundus. No, you know, like, me neither. And it was a really, it was like when I went to go sit down to do research, it happened again. When I went to go sit down to do research for this episode, I was like, yeah, I mean, Inez is wonderful. We'll probably have a lot to talk about in terms of like parenting yeah. and things like that. But I can't really see anything being crazy. And then I started reading all this stuff of people being like, I hate Inez. I think she's in Sigmundus and evil. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Same. And then I just started like tin hatting, spiraling out of control, being like, all oh, the evidence. Wow. Oh, can I read one more thing here about this theory? Mm-hmm. So this is from Reddit too. If Trant was taken from Agnes, I'm so 
thrilled that like multiple people on Reddit are thinking about this. Like multiple people clocked that Inez's son might have been taken from her. Right. Trunt from the 50 doesn't doesn't really act like Agnes is his real mother. They both kind of play a role, blah, blah, blah. Yep. The, the problem, somebody says, is then Trunt should have known about time travel since the 50s. But until 2019, when Trant finds the dead body of Mads, he had no idea about time traveling. He finds out about time travel in 19 or 2019 from Claudia. But what if you look at it from the perspective of, I grew up in a crazy fucking cult. My mom was insane. I hated her. They believed in time travel, said I had this fucking destiny, blah, blah, blah. Clearly it's not true. And then he finds, he finds his son and loses his fucking shit. He's like, oh my God, it was real this whole time. And then Claudia shows up and is like, hey. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like they, that. They do that. And I think that's kind of cool. Um, Just quick, quick last thing. Yeah. In the scene where where Mikkel does the sugar cube cup reveal. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Let me read this. Mikkel is showing her a magic trick that involved teleporting a sugar cube from one cup to another. He says that all Houdini dreamed of was to become a magician. Mikkel says that he has the same dream, but the magic he wants to do is impossible, which is to wake up. Inez asks him about, the mas about Master Tsuang's paradox. One day, she dreamt she was a butterfly and woke up confused if she's still a person who dreamed she was a butterfly or if she's a butterfly who's dreaming. She asks Mikkel what he would think he was, to which he responds both. He removes the cups, revealing a second sugar cube. Just... Holy shit, dude. Oh my god. Also, can we just talk about that, that line of dialogue telling us the whole time that they are a fragment of an origin world? Like, yeah, are, yeah, you, a dream. are you a dream within yes. a dream? Are you dreaming that you're real or are you, you man? Oh, my God. That is it. Um, yeah. That's super fucking cool. Well, I wasn't okay. expecting all of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no kidding. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm leaving with more questions yeah, than I am answers. Too. Yeah, but I'm going to go yeah. away. I'm going to start a rewatch like immediately. And I'm man. All right, let's do some shout outs. Peeps, you want to go first? Yes. Hi, I'm Pumpkinberry. And I'm still thinking about all the cool stuff in this episode. I, I would just like to uh, put a humble request out there for you listening I mean, obviously, if you have any theories on Inez or anything like that, uh, give us a message. But really, I'd love to hear about any creative endeavors that you have been on, like, you know, Acorn's book, Merz's film, my improv show. I, I, we'd love to hear about anything that you were in, inspired to do in 2020, because I imagine it's been hard to talk about with everything that's been going on in the world. And we'll talk about it with you. You know, we'd love to hear about it um, and celebrate that with you. So that's my request. Um, but I'm PB. You can find me on Twitter at Pumpkinberry and at Pumpkinberry.tv. You can see all the crazy things that I'm up to. Um, since I talked about it a lot in the beginning of the uh, episode today, I am going to mention uh, the improv show that I do called Gone, that I did called Gone because it's over now, which you can find right here on your favorite podcast app by searching Gone Table Story. And that's Table Stories, all one word. And that'll come up for you. Give that a try. It is a narrative piece, so it's fiction, but give it a shot. And that's what I was talking about earlier today. And then and that's where you can find me. And thank you for listening. And thank you for sending us messages. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you, everyone, for just listening and experiencing this with us and diving and theory crafting. And man, I look again, I, I say this all the time, but I look forward to this every Sunday, yeah. which is when we record. Thursday is when you hear yes. it. <laughs> I look forward to this every week. Thank you so much, Peeves. Mm. 
Acorn. Yeah, I'm Acorn. And you can find me online at Acorn Bandit and also on joysans.com, J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com, where I make enamel pins. But as I've mentioned, I'm adding another project to the roster aside from Dark, the podcast, and also Avatar, the podcast, if you are a fan of Avatar, The Last Airbender. I will have more details about my my book project soon. I've already bought the domain. I've already created yes. the Twitter I'm no working way. on the website right now. Yeah. So yeah, you should I'll have shout more out details the, soon. Shout out the Twitter. Shout out the Twitter. We'll follow now. Can we do that oh, now? Oh, true. Okay. The yeah, twi- yeah, yeah, Twitter is yeah. good to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is at FFX, the novel. Oh, oh my, my God. God. I'm following. Oh, <laughs> the, the banner says one fan, one dream, one timeless game. I'm going to cry. Oh my God. Yeah. Writing a novel Listen in nine months. Story celebrating 20 years i'm so proud of you so fast oh this is don't look at the website yet oh my god your location is spira oh my god (laughs) okay i love it essentially my goal here since this is kind of like my practice book because i wanted to be a writer for so long i'm going to be tracking the progress so the website will have the the timeline of all of the different, uh, I don't know what the word is, production steps, like yeah. drafting, writing, revision, proofreading, etc. I'll track all that. And I'll also have a blog where I'll give updates and maybe some cool finds. Because the cool thing about this is the world of Final Fantasy is so huge. And it's I've already, already learned things about. Yeah. yeah. I've already learned things about Final Fantasy X that I never knew. So it's going to be a really cool journey. But yeah, you can join me there. Thanks. That's so amazing, man. I'm so proud I'm of so you. so proud of you. Also, just uh, I, I feel like I can speak from experience when it comes to documenting goals and difficult things mm-hmm. and documenting it from the very beginning. It's just a very meaningful experience. And it, A, keeps you accountable. And B, at the end of the day, you get to look at the progress you made as a human being and as an artist and a writer and a creator. So I'm super excited for you. And I can't wait to watch the journey. Thanks. How about you, Mercs? Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm Mergs. Um I I'm made Merkel's. a film last week. Sorry. <laughs> I made a film last week. <laughs> <not> a <laughs> uh yeah, I made a film last week. Uh, it was uh it's super cool. It's called Trinkets. It's about an Icelandic gnome who leaves little hand-painted golden rocks for people who are driving by just to make their day. And that's it. It's just about a little cute gnome who leaves a gift for someone, a, a trinket, if you will. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I will be posting where you can find a viewing of that if you're interested. Um, you can also find me on Twitch, where I stream such filmmaking content uh, every week. So if you're interested in how animated films get made by yours truly, you can come watch me do it. I'm a one-woman show. I do everything. I do all the audio editing and the animatic editing and the final editing and the compositing and the animation and the backgrounds and I just do it all, as it were. <laughs> just like the note. There's no chill way to say that there's no humble chill way to say that i'm sorry i do it all <laughs> um thank you so much for listening to dark and joining us on this adventure oh boy we hope you've enjoyed it and of course if we've missed anything you can tweet at us individually use the hashtag dark companion pod tweet at radio Winden, or email dark at gmail.com of course special thanks to johnny caballero for letting us use the beautiful cover art thanks johnny thanks johnny you can find him on Twitter at Johnny Knight, J-H-O-N-Y-K-N-I-G-H-T. 
We're also proudly part of the Geek Generation Network, and you can find more awesome podcasts related to cool nerdy things like TV, comics, and movies at thegeekgeneration.com. Thank you so much for diving into dark with us, and we'll be back next Thursday with episode 16, which is Hannah. It's time. It's time. It's time. It is time. I love that um, Inez and Hannah are back to back. I wish because yes. the only thing I was walking away from because we went through like a crazy hole today. I regretted not being able to talk about Inez and Hannah and their yeah. tumultuous relationship. But now we get to in, in Hannah's episode. Yes. So yes. Yes. So, so for all of the listeners who listen to our Radio Winden episode, defend your Hannah. You have one week to get yep. your defending in as it were mm -hmm. i must tell you personally i have had a almost a full 180 on hannah since we have done this podcast yeah. in the last uh couple of episodes we've discussed some stuff that has led me to believe very strongly in some something so i am very excited to discuss yeah, hannah me too and i feel like right now is the perfect time i'm glad that we're doing it now because if we had done it earlier I think it would have been a much more, a much less nuanced and more one-sided yep. discussion. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. really excited. I'm very excited. So thanks again. See you next week, everybody. See you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.